a lot of them. Ice on me, I'm popping. Try and get like me. All righty, we're live. Uh, really excited about today's episode number 50. We've got the CEO and founder of Notco, Matthias Muchnik. Huge fan. Love what you guys are doing. Um, you know, what an uh, impressive pioneer in the plant-based space and movement in CPG. But thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me here. Yeah. Of course, of course. So, Matthias, tell, tell me, where are you from? How did you, uh, you know, come into this incredible uh, business and organization and, and begin building uh, such a such an impressive company? Well, I am originally from Chile, uh, so so far away south. Uh, it's uh, it's been a journey of I know uh, probably a, a you know a series of serendipity issues that got me here. I'm a finance major, so my background had nothing to do with with, with you know with food, um, but definitely um, it was an inspiration. I I, I studied uh, you know economics and I went through kind of like the 2008 crisis in a, in a major way understood it and, and and to me as a very passionate guy for food i kind of like look the industry in the same way that i did in the subprime crisis i mean you know a few companies very big selling overly complex products to consumers that were totally disconnected to what they were buying where regulators became the regulated and none of those red flags uh, were in the food industry as well so kind of like i did this parallel between you know kind of like the financing industry and the food industry the thing is that i had no idea what was what was going on and i think in order to disrupt the industries you definitely need to get into them to really understand what the problem is and to me very early on i understood that you know for the last 50 years uh food or the food space or the food industry has been operated um by an obsolete technology and so my first approach was let's create a new technology around food you know so that's that's kind of like how everything started Right. And, and, you know, what I will say is I don't know what um, what the industry, the food and beverage industry really looks like in Chile. But can you share a little bit about uh, when you started getting becoming interested in, in uh, you know, alternative meat, alternative proteins? Uh, I'm really excited to dive into some of your prior experience in the egg space. Um, you know, and, and it sounds like this isn't what I think a lot of people don't realize is when you're really taking on um, such a such a monumental task of, of reinventing um, you know, a specific segment in food and beverage, uh, it takes decades. And I can tell just from your background and your experience that, uh, this has definitely been, uh, quite the journey. So, uh, let's, let's start in Chile. Um, you know, can you share what your initial exposure was to dairy or the dairy industry and, and, and what that was like? Yeah, I think, you know, even, uh, not even in Chile, because I, I had the chance to actually fly a lot when I was a kid. You know, we traveled a lot because of my dad's work in banking. And, you know, I had exposure to many cultures. And I think one common denominator for my generation, at least, was that we didn't question a lot. It was like our parents would tell us what to drink, what to what to uh, eat. And we would just go ahead and do it. Don't, you know, we wouldn't question a lot. So there was a lack of information as well and a lack of consciousness of of where do our foods actually come from? What is required, right? So it's it's only been in this generation, probably next generation, that you know sustainability, climate change uh, has been something that has been you know kind of like you know really well conceived. They they, they were educated around kind of like sustainability, global warming, uh, and so on. And so to me, back in 2012, 
uh, when I started all of this, I was kind of like, you know, crazily obsessed on efficiency, right? So we were, I mean, I, I read more and more, you know, Cowspiracy was coming out in Netflix. Social media was, you know, really documenting what was behind the food industry, the slaughterhouses and all that. And you, what, you, what you really kind of like start, started to understand is like, oh my God, like, uh, you know, the food industry has become one of the major, you know, common denominators to environmental ills known to humankind. You know, deforestation, land use, water scarcity, ocean depletion, loss of species. And you start to add up and, and you say like, there's, there, you know, this is an industry, a whole industry really ready to, to be disrupted, right? It's a broken system. We need to really get some new technology, new generation to lead the way into the future of food because the future of food doesn't look very well, uh, you know, 10 years ago or eight years ago. So that's where it all started and kind of like, yeah, I mean, just the notion of feeding animals, plants in order to generate uh, milk, cheese, eggs and meat taking the animal out of the equation would generate, you know, exponential differences in the use of resources and the environmental impact. So I got more into that because I knew that the new generation of consumers was definitely going to change the, um, the dynamics of, of consumption. Um, yeah. So, and, and so my question is when you, when you were at JP Morgan and you were in finance, was this something that was kind of cooking in the back of your head and, and you were just, are you constantly a self-starter, you know, thinking about the next step or how, how did you make that transition? Because I know that you started a company called Eggless. Um, so I'd love to hear, I think one of the biggest challenges is we can get really passionate and obsessed about making a huge uh, career decision or life choice to go build a business. But how do you actually execute that? How do you take that to fruition and, and make it a reality? Oh, it's a great question because uh, I think since since the get go, I always wanted to create a real difference in the world. I think you know, kind of like it's not a romantic speech because romantic speeches are you know very easy to create. The thing is, you know, how can we create a purpose driven company that moves the needle, right, to really change things, right? And the only way to do that is to access the mass market. If you're not accessing the mass market, you, you know, you're just a new brand, and this world doesn't need a new brand or a new plant-based brand. They, you know, we need significant changes. And so we, since the get-go, I knew that there's a combination of four different things that were going to actually move the little and to, you know, were able to, to allow us to access the mass market. One is taste. So we're human beings. We, we love the food that we eat. Um, and we're not, I mean, we're not open to actually sacrifice on taste. Number one, it's food. I mean, we have to make it super tasty. Yep. The second one is experience, right? Because food is more than food. More than, you know, food is, you know, occasions of consumption. It's the barbecue with your friends. It's, you know, uh, it's your grandma's love throughout food. And there's many things that involve experience. It's not just, you know, the taste is experience too. The third one is price. I mean, without a mainstream price, you're go not going to make it a mainstream product. And what we need to change is the mainstream market consumer, not just the vegans, vegetarians that, people that are already doing things right, you know? And so in that regard, I was like, okay, how do you access market? Well, price, right? Uh, and then to get there, you need to secure a supply chain. And today, supply chain is an issue uh, on scale. And every single company that is experiencing high growth, supply chain must be one of those things that really moves the needle internally in the company who allows you to grow or not. Um, and Notco has been very wise on planning the whole scalability side. 
Uh, we always thought about the company that operates the supply chain better than anyone else, which is, you know, Coca-Cola. They don't own machinery. They don't know, you know, they, they just use bottlers to do that and they just maintain the secrecy of the formulation throughout the concentrates that they produce. We kind of like did the same. We said, you know, velocity is probably going to give us the upper hand in, you know, in mainstream markets and generating, you know, kind of like more brand awareness, become the first movers and so on. Um, and so we said, okay, let's operate like Coca-Cola. So we kind of like, since the get go, we started to think about supply chain and it has been the thing that allowed us to get to six different countries, to four different categories of products, to access a mass market in products such as burger that we have 5% of market share in the Chilean market, total burger market share, you know, Amazing. 10 months of sales. So yeah. That's so, so, so just, just to touch on that really quickly, because there are so, so many nuggets in there that, that I really wanted to dive a little bit deeper into number one, um, when you're trying to scale a better for you CPG product or brand, um, one big hurdle or obstacle I see a lot of founders come across is they try and price up because investors are saying that you need X amount of margin, right? I actually am in the same camp, uh, camp as you where I wanted, we wanted to create a product, Dream Pops, that could be in every American household. When you do that, you have the ability to impact millions and billions of or, and or billions of people versus a you know ultra premium product that can only that'll cap out in terms of long-term potential so i love that you said that and i just want to hammer that down number two oftentimes the supply chain that you're building to hit that price point never exists so it seems impossible to achieve those unit economics unless you can you know move get enough capital build the infrastructure out so in order to get there it sounds like you guys have adopted a strategy of uh, opting in for a lot of co-packers as opposed to manufacturing or creating technology for yourselves and being vertical. Is there no vertical play here for you guys? Because I do, you know, I've, I have a few friends that are building companies and, and vertical has actually allowed them to achieve unit economics that scale. Yeah, it's always trade-offs. I mean, if you maintain a healthy business, uh, you're probably going to be able to actually decide that very easily. Um, you know, when you when you take co-packer in, inside, you kind of like, you know, uh, marginally decrease your, you know, kind of like your your, your gross margin abilities, uh, but at, at the expense of speed. And speed is one of the things that I really want to kind of like double down on. I think speed is, is so, so important. I mean, for Notco, we, I mean, it's one of our main principles of the company because we generally think that we don't have enough time actually change things right so and, and as fast as we can make it we're going to do it um going fast you know also kind of like uh creates problems too right it's going fast is is, is hard as well and space especially supply chain and plug and play in different countries in different co-packers managing you know 19 different compagers in the world so i mean it's it's a hard it's a hard thing to do but what you say is totally right i mean um you know uh the, the, the Everything, you can do it step by step. You can choose either have your own manufacturing capabilities to, to allow you to have more control uh, and then, you know, go into a co-packer. So there are different strategies at different points of time, I think. Uh, one what point, do you think is Nalco's biggest value prop in comparison to other incumbents or competitors in the space? Well, we definitely, uh, our biggest ability is to, we produce products better, faster, and more accurate than anyone else in the space. Um, that being said, it allows us to become the Intel inside of other products too, right? So many companies are approaching Nodco to really say, you know, let's use your technology to create a tailor-made product for me. We can do that, right? 
And we are probably the only ones who can do that uh, today. Got it. And and so you, you guys started the company in Chile and now you're in ni 19 countries? We're no, we're in six countries really operating the countries. Uh, you know, that we might have in more countries as well, but throughout distributors. I mean, even even today you can search or, or you can find not mayo in the US throughout Amazon. We don't sell it. I mean, there's there's a guy someone so, selling yeah. it here. Yeah. Uh, so you can find it uh, in six different countries, four different categories of products. Um, so that makes us pretty unique too. So where is the majority of your focus right now as you're scaling the company and taking this thing to the next phase of growth? Um, I will say we operate in the US and Canada. That's really challenging in and of itself. Um, talk to me about international scale. I mean, with that many different places, manufacturing products, really impressive, but I'd love to hear where you're spending most of your time. Yeah, well, I mean, I moved to, to the U.S., to New York, to also, to, to also, you know, kind of like need the operations of North America. North America is the biggest market by far today in adoption, in sophistication, in consumer, um, you know, base of, of plant-based products. So um, our obsession as, com as a company is to really uh, double up on, on the U.S. operation. We're already confirming 3,000 stores. We, end, we want to end up in more than 5,000 in distribution. Velocities are coming unbelievably great. Uh, and allowed us to create the success story that it's very sellable to other retail chains. And then um, the potential of QSRs also here in the US, it's monumental. Uh, they, you know, they, they're craving more and more tailor-made products for more innovation internally in, corp in the corporation. So we're, we're, we're a great partner in that regard. And you know, Latin America, we're the number one. Uh, we're the fastest growing plant-based company, uh, the, the, the biggest, by the way. And We'd like to maintain that, you know, out on time and keep keep on growing. And maybe we have five percent of market share today, but we want products to have, you know, as high as twenty percent. So the obsession is in that is isn't really accessing the mass market in both North America and Latin America. And I also think it's not really a you versus a impossible beyond Oatly, Calafia. What people need to realize is like a rising tide lifts all boats. There's so much room, and also just limited manufacturing capabilities to bring these products to the masses. Um, so do you see yourself more as a brand first company or, I mean, more technology? Um, like what does Notco look like three, five, 10 years from now? It's a, it's that, that's a great question and a hard one to actually answer. So what, how we conceive ourselves or at least investors also look at us, it's we're a tech company that for what we believe we decided to make food, right? Or plant-based food. Um, so we're, tech company that evolves all the time because you know our technology evolves all the time uh problems that we're solving through ai are different all the time and our science team has just grown and grown exponentially as well because we're looking into other technologies to make our products better to create other products or other companies' product even better too can you share a little bit more about the artificial intelligence angle because that's really unique for a food company yeah absolutely so our, our, our nuance of one of the biggest problems of the food industry is that we don't we don't understand what we eat. Basically, we have no idea what data actually can define what you know what a what, what a piece of meat is. What you know what milk why milk has the taste that it has related to the functionality related to the you know foaming capabilities to mixing with coffee and pH regulators and we need to understand food. To, to, you know, you, you need to understand something in order to replicate it. So we're not going to be able to replicate milk if we don't understand it. So what we did is what, you know, we looked at a very granular level what food actually was and described it through data. And it's not just molecular data because molecular data won't tell you what actually a product is. I mean, you know, cacao beans and, and 
blue cheese shares 73 molecules of flavor and they don't taste anything alike, right? And so it's way more than that. It's the overlap of different data sources that will tell you what a product is and would allow an algorithm to actually understand what you know, a piece of meat is, say, well, you know, a glass of milk actually is. And then there's more than 400,000 species of plants in the world or close to that. Um, and we have no idea what 99% of them can do. So we decided to create this algorithm that would allow us to predict which combination of plant-based ingredients should result in the same sensorial experience as a target product. Generally, products coming from animals, right? Um, so that speeds up the R&D. That generates an algorithm that is learning all the time. I mean, you need to feedback the algorithm sensorial information. We have a train panel that daily feedbacks the algorithm on sensorial experiences. And so the algorithm starts to learn the underlying patterns between, you know, data in food and the human perception of, uh, you know, taste, smell, color, texture. Is, is there and so one so. breakthrough or product that's on the market that you can share how that worked exactly? Yeah, well, I, I have a lot of examples. When you start, this is like a kid. I mean, it makes a lot of mistakes. So I believe me, the first year, first two years, I tried the worst things ever, you know, and then the algorithm starts getting smarter as, as, as it grows. And then, you know, for example, the time that it took us to create our first product was 18 months, and now it takes only three months to create it, right? So the algorithm definitely starts to understand it. Now, for milk, for example, I mean, um, when our scientist receives, uh, you know, uh, a, a, an ingredient combination of pineapple and cabbage uh, to replicate milk, they were like, what is this? Like, you know, have, uh, you know, cabbage concentrate, by the way, it's the most, you know, it's, it's not appealing at all. But when you taste it with, you know, the pineapple, with the, with the pea protein, with it actually has the taste of milk. So we were so impressed by the innovation that this algorithm was understanding that for a human being, it's not trivial to, to, to mix those ingredients to actually recreate the taste of milk. So being that so you said- an, you, an, you analyze dairy milk and dairy milk into the algorithm, spit out cabbage concentrate and pineapple. And then you said, okay, well, let's take the molecular structures of those and recreate the taste of dairy. No. Well, more than that is let's take those ingredients together, put them together in a mix and see what's happening. Uh, wow. and, and, and that's, that's, that's the kind of like the aha moment of, of, of the algorithm. I was also one, there was another example, you know, once uh, one of our scientists brought in, you know, a, a, a blue liquid and they said, you know, taste it. And I tested this and it actually tasted like milk, but it was blue. Right. So crazy things were happening at that time. We didn't know that actually the visuals was as important also as smell, taste, texture of a product. And that's where we actually started to feedback the algorithm visuals of food, right? Which are really, really important. So it has been an ongoing process of creating a broader, broader, broader technology that would allow us to create not only prototypes in the kitchen uh, or in the experimental you know, lab, and it will take us into big scale products, right? Wow. That's, I mean, it's, it's really, really uh, intriguing and, and super interesting. So, okay. So you guys are, are constantly analyzing different uh, mass market products, specifically dairy, meat, et cetera. And then, you know, your, your team um, of scientists is really replicating those. Um, how many SKUs do you guys currently have at NOTCO? We have, I mean, adding uh, all of the geographies, probably around 35 SKUs. Um, yeah. 35. Got it. And, and, and do you see yourselves as a retail heavy business or also really Amazon, online, D2C, et cetera? Super retail oriented, but of course, pandemic has shifted that around heavily and what used to weigh, I think, 5% of sales uh, in the online channel. Now it's like more around the 20%. So it's pretty big. 
Right. With the majority of the focus now being on North America. Um, and where can people, where should people start looking to find Notco? I know I'm super eager to try it. So, well, if you have any um, sprouts, Wegmans, Whole Foods, um, and uh, yeah, very soon in others that I cannot discuss at this point of time, but but those in the natural channel, you can definitely find it. Yeah. And, and really quickly, Matias, because I want to be cognizant of your time. Can you share a little bit about Eggless Company and how that yeah. fed into Notco and gave you some experience to uh, prepare you for this business, for this company? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it was my first touch uh, with the, with with the industry. It was my first grasp of what the food industry actually was, and uh, I didn't. I had no idea how it operated, and we had no idea with my partner at that time, or my co-founder also. Uh, we're two finance majors. So we hired this R&D company uh, to create a food formulation for us. And that's why I actually realized why this system was absolutely broken. Uh, R&D was three guys in a lab coat in an experimental kitchen doing trial and error and reading research papers of 1980s on how to apply soy to replace the animal based you know, input in the, in the formulation. That's where I realized this is the problem an obsolete technology, right? And uh, I mean, the company was the garage story. I was the guy who cooked, who labeled, who put the cases on the back of my truck, uh, got it into the supermarkets, took it, took them out. And uh, yeah, I built a business for two years and I sold that company uh, to, to another uh, big company. And so that's where I actually started my kind of like career path to get to Notco. Studied in the US, studied at Berkeley, started at Harvard, and that's where I actually started creating Notco. Super, super cool. And, and, and fully understand that. I think, uh, you know, getting a taste of eggless. I know I was, I also went to, to Berkeley Go Bears, um, but I was around with, you know, Hampton Creek, Just Egg Craze, watching that. Um, are there a lot, would you say that that's a very comparable uh, business? You know, what what Just Egg is, or Just is doing in terms of their R&D or is it uh, very different? It's 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 very different. Uh, I think from, from, from the specialists they have and what we have, I think we're in a different dimensions of science. Uh, they're doing, I, I'm not saying that, I mean, I think, and to give a lot of credit to Just, I mean, and to Hampton Creek uh, at that time, I think Hampton Creek showed everyone the way to create a, you know, kind of like a buzzy, very cool brand in the plant-based uh, section. I think they had their own things going on, but uh, I, I really kind of like give them a lot of credit uh, for, uh, for the industry, um, but just, doesn't do what we do uh you know they do other things and and you know we had the patents uh published um the tech, the tech patents published in the us they gave us five patents and that's the first of many that we're gonna uh file and that describes our technology and it's you know it's something absolutely unique and it's it's you know created in in-house and we're pretty pretty happy about that we're pretty unique in the space what are your favorite products you currently have uh, that are just you think are, are really you highly recommend trying, but that you're just incredibly proud of? Well, nut milk is just one of those things that I take it every single morning. Um, you know, with cereal straight up, uh, it's it's the thing that I always looked up uh, from milk that the plant-based section didn't have, and and this is definitely the, the, the new generation of milk, right? It's like the, the what Impossible did, what Beyond did. You know, in the burger side, we are doing it in the in the um, in the milk side. And will, will you share milk. with people who don't know what's in the not milk too? Yeah, of course. I mean, this is a product that is based on you know different ingredients, but mainly we would say the protein is pea protein, 
Um, uh, we have a combination of pineapple, cabbage, chicory root, and things that might sound crazy, but in the mixture together, they create this creamy, you know, uh, sensation uh, and, and, and this milky notes uh, of actual milk, but it's made out of plants. So nut milk is my go-to product today in the US um, and the nut burger that definitely is coming to the US too. We have a pretty fantastic product. It's a product that created such a buzz in Burger King too in Latin America, you know, selling 42 units per store per day, uh, which, you know, 90% of them were vegetarians, vegans uh, actually buying the product. So super happy about that. Both of the products are just massively great. It's amazing. And, and for you guys, the goal is to attack, to attack all sorts of, I mean, is there anything outside of alt meat or alt dairy that you will go, will you go after all, all food? We, we go after everything. Uh, yeah. Uh, in the understanding of the algorithm, there's definitely, and the team as well, uh, there's definitely no boundaries there. Amazing. And, um, you know, as, as we come to a close, you know, Matias, it's so, so inspiring, I guess. Um, what advice would you have for people who want to go out and build a business like this? Uh, it's, it's very challenging to get traction in the early days. You were a finance major. Uh, I love that you shared that you were uh, hand putting labels on yourself with eggless, you know, hustling to grocery stores. But like what really allowed you to get where you are today and how can people really uh, pursue a similar path? Well, it takes it, it takes. Um a lot of work uh and, and it's not only professional work it's personal as well i think the journey is super hard you have to surround yourself with people that really are better than you in every sense of the word they, they, they work better they have more working ethics they, they they really are more sophisticated in every level of analysis i'm you know try to feel the dumbest guy in the room uh i definitely do uh, you know the team that i got together was was probably because you know and, and many entrepreneurs actually lack off, which is self-awareness. Know what you do right, know what you do wrong, and surround yourself of people that complement you. So team, 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 and number one is execution. Um, I definitely think that the right balance between vision, execution, and team is what really makes a successful story. I love that. And what's your, you know, what drives you when things are really tough and, and you're at, you know, in your lowest points, what is your goal for this company? What's your vision? And you know, what do you hope to accomplish uh, in your lifetime with NotCo? Well, as I said, the mission of this company is very straightforward, moving the needle. And we're not moving the needle if we're not accessing the mass market. If we access the mass market, we're going to change stuff for this world in the efficiency of the use of resources and the environmental impact. We're all about that. If we don't do that, we're not, you know, keeping the mission. What, what's, what keeps me up at night is that. I mean, the, the, we need to make it happen and we need to make it happen fast. So um execution 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 of a real uh you know ambitious vision that's my that's my thing Matias, this is incredible everyone go go buy some notco at your wegmans whole foods veggie online um store locator in the comments thank you so much for making the time today i really appreciate it thanks so much thanks uh, great to be here awesome cheers